This is Michelle Wonder of the Women's Craft Fermentation Alliance, and you're listening to the Beer Mighty Things Podcast. Welcome into the Beer Mighty Things Podcast. It's what you listen to while you brew. It's what's in your ears as you drink beers. I'm Kyle Reiner, and today I know we're going to have a great episode because I got a great guest for you. He's the Senior VP of Sales and Partnerships at GoTab. Please welcome in Mr. Rick, and you can say your own last name there, Rick. How are we doing? Malfainer. Mal Thanks, Kyle. How are you? I am well. Malfainer, huh? That's right. Very nice. Cool. Well, hey, uh, thank you for joining us. I know you, you know, it's 77 and sunny. You could be outside while I'm sitting here in the rain, but um, I appreciate you taking the time and I know we're going to get some value out of this. So how are things? What's new in your world? Things are good. Things are good. We've been very busy at GoTab lately. Um, a lot of new features, a lot of new functionality, a lot of new customers. Uh, it's been, it's been great. So, Good. um, obviously as, as we'll get into in a little bit, we were founded in a brewery. So, uh, this is uh, right up our alley to have this discussion with you today. I love it. I love it. Cool. Yeah. Always want to bring value. Want to uh, educate the folks. Uh, let's kind of take a step back though. Let's go back to, you know, you growing up, I think in Southeast PA, you go to Penn state, you go back to school again. Um, your mom lives like a half mile from my house. Like what, talk to me about, you know, growing up in PA, the tech world and how you got to uh, kind of where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, grew up in Havertown, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philly or just outside of Philly, as you say to everybody in the uh, world so that they don't, <laughs> they don't call you on the fact that you're not actually from Philly, uh, but you know, pretty close. And yeah. Yeah, so I, I, you know, went to Penn State and then came back home to Havertown and have spent a ton of time right in your area, right? I used to work for Eminem Mars right over there on Airport Road in Westchester, yeah. so uh, so very close to close to that whole area, and uh, still am. Plenty of family and friends in that area, and uh, love getting back to visit. Uh, starting to talk to some of the local breweries around there and and a little bit beyond. So yeah, it's funny when we first originally spoke, you're like, Oh, I know this guy. We, you know, we had so many friends in common that, you know, we deal with on a regular basis. Um, you were, you've always kind of been in the tech when you were at Mars, was it on the tech side or what'd you do there? Yeah, I was actually, um, I was the tech side for, I supported the engineering department mostly. Um, you know, I just had this conversation earlier today when somebody, uh, when basically somebody who was in the tech side of things asked me, he said, you know, you sound like you've got a pretty good tech background and not just sales. And so I explained that when I worked for Eminem Mars, um, kind of oversaw 2,500 desktops and 100 servers across three continents. So um, have that background. Now, was that kind of like you're on call, wake you up in the middle of the night, you got something to fix kind of deal? There certainly was. Uh, that was a manufacturing <laughs> facility. They actually made the bill acceptors for vending machines in that facility. So um, when the Zebra printer at the end of the line would stop printing, uh, that would be the 3 a.m. call to get in there and get that fixed because you're holding up, you know, 145 bill acceptors an hour. So for sure. And that's uh, That'd be lost revenue there. Yeah. A absolutely. Okay. You started your own business at age 23. What'd you do? Yeah, so I was uh, got started as really technical, call it technical support and advice to small businesses. When you mm -hmm. think about back way back when I was twenty three, uh, we were talking modems and you know Windows ninety five and QuickBooks and things like that. Dial up uh, connections that, that actually accidentally <laughs> morphed into a point of sale business um, okay. through uh, through another local connection. Uh, I guess I'll give a shout out to Nicholas Smith Trains down there in Broomall, Pennsylvania. Okay, uh, they were stopping for a point of sale system. Uh, we put in what was uh, QuickSell POS back then, 
And QuickSell got bought by Microsoft and became Microsoft Retail Management System. So that was sort of my inroads into the point of sale world and then got into hospitality back in 2002 or three. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, you did that for what, something like 17 years or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. Kind of like a side hustle? Like you were doing that while you were working at Mars or what? No, no. So it started out as a side hustle when I was in corporate jobs, um, just for yep. a, probably a year or two. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to work for another local company called Med Decision back in the day. Um, and their founder, David St. Clair, who's still around in the Philly area and actually owns a restaurant or did it the last time I connected with him. Um, he was cool enough to be the guy that said, hey, listen, I started my own business. Uh, you know, I went to him and said, hey, listen, I got this business on the side. And at some point, it's going to require more of my time. And, and he was great enough to allow me to work, you know, part time there and part time in my own venture and sort of uh, eased, eased into the uh, being able to make money on my own. So that was a great time. That's nice. He was understanding. He could have completely shut you down for moonlighting or whatever, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. OK, yeah. let's go back to that, you know, the early 2000s and kind of when you got into the POS world. I mean, what was the. What was kind of the main system at that time? What did it look like? How awful was it? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we I was fortunate that a good friend of mine and it's uh, I'll, I'll shout him out here. Craig will listen to this at some point for sure. If it has to do with beer in Pennsylvania and whatnot. Uh, Craig was Victory Brewing Company's founding GM uh, of, okay. of the tap room or I guess of the yeah. restaurant back <laughs> in uh, 1996, somewhere around there. And so. Uh, at some point, he morphed over into the tech world. He was working for a point of sale competitor. And he came to me and said, you know, you should be in hospitality point of sale. And I thought at the time, it's probably nothing less I'd rather do. Um, but then I got thinking about it and I said, well, you know, I do love to eat. I do love beer. You know, that might be a kind of a cool line of business. So um, as time would have it, he got laid off from that job, joined me, and we went out and found uh, what was called dinerware back in the day. Uh, it's okay. now owned by Heartland. Um, but the you know dinerware was a new platform at the time, uh, definitely new technology. You know, fighting the old guard of micro, Saloha, digital dining, all yeah. of those first generation sort of Windows systems. I know micros. That's what I remember from you know when I'm serving and waiting tables back then. Yeah, right. Yeah, huh. and so yeah, went to market against them. Um, interestingly, I think I've explained to you that in those days, I had connections with both uh, the hospitality side of beer with some breweries and and certainly a lot of bars and in, in the city that sold yeah. a lot of craft brew. Um, but the other side of it was we had a retail system that worked for Pennsylvania beer stores. So mm. a lot of connections in those beer store in that beer store world out there. Yeah. In your travels there, dealing with with diners, right? We ever figure out why diners are all kind of like shiny and bright and all kind of look similar? <laughs> you know, no. Other than uh, <laughs> I guess b being easy to clean and copycat from back in the fifties, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I was yeah. wondering the other day. I actually drove by one, and I was like, I wonder if it's you know, it's late at night, you're hungry, nothing else is open, and this thing is shiny and kind of like, hey, come come here, come join us. Like yeah, neon open. sign bouncing off uh, stainless yeah. steel or chrome. 40, a 40-page 40 <laughs> menu with all the things you never thought they could potentially have in one building. Yeah, funny enough, they were the worst point-of-sale customers because the menu was a four-day program, even in a simple system like Dinerware. And the problem also was, 
you know, they would be like, they were the ones that would say, hey, you know, this side of Scrapple is two ninety five at breakfast. It's three ninety five at lunch and it's four ninety five at dinner and late <laughs> night at six dollars. And I'm like, you know, you you can imagine what that looks like to somebody trying to program and support point of sale. So diners are always a challenge. And that's don't fun. forget that fresh lobster they have in the middle of Nebraska, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Awesome. Um, And, you know, when you are kind of getting into this POS business, what is the beer that you guys are excited about at this time? What brewery is hot? Well, you know, I, I'm old enough to date myself back to when my friends and I used to venture over to Exton to go to Reno's, if you remember yeah, Reno's. Still there. And, and the reason we would go there was because they had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale on draft, right? You know, fast forward a decade and Applebee's had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale on draft. But back in those days, um, they were the early craft brew days. I'm thinking back to like Pete's Wicked was was big okay. back then. A lot of brands. Um, but, you know, as as you moved into the, you know, the 2000 time frame, the new millennium, uh, we were spending all of our time at Victory, uh, spending a lot of time with really downtown a lot of the bars that would have a ton of craft beer we had a quite a few customers that we we loved hanging out at back then uh 10 stone is one that's still there at uh 23rd and south okay um, but, i'm not familiar yeah I, I think um you know as time went on it, it was the old check the boxes right you wanted to try all the beer you could and and so I, I remember philly beer week being the highlight on the calendar um I don't remember any of those at this point um, because they were so epic. But uh, the reality was, you know, getting to hang out with Sam from Dogfish Head yep. uh, back in the day with the Randall. And I think have I said back in the day too many times yet, you're going to have to just do a select all and edit that right we'll out. We'll just but. call it, we'll call the episode, you know, back in the day. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll roll with it. We'll lean in. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so much good beer in the, in the Philly area and, and beyond, you know, certainly you know, looking up to like Lehigh Valley, Weyerbacher, you yep. know, going out West. I mean, Trogues is a staple for me. You know, I, I, I love Trogues. I, I still, to this day, uh, I remember one time we were at the Pennsylvania Malt Beverage Distributors Association, the MBDA, we were at their trade show and um, we had a back-to-back -back booth. So there was a curtain behind us. And as we were setting up, I peeked through the curtain and sure enough, Trogues was there. And I just remember one of the guys from Trogues was just handing perpetual IPAs through the curtain all day long. And uh, I love that beer. Yeah, good times. That's still <laughs> a great beer. It is fantastic. What was uh, obviously you grew up probably having a little bit of Yangling here and there. Tons of Yangling Lord in Chesterfield. the background. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, you know that was Lord Chesterfield was always my favorite. So I'll give you my kegerator story. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I came home one day and I said to my wife, what do you think about a kegerator? And Tracy said, don't we have better things to spend our money on? And I said, well, you know, I got Amex points so I can just get the one at Home Depot with Home Depot cards for free. And she goes, well, I guess if it's free. Well, the minute that happened, like my friend George and I were out the door on the way to Home Depot. I wasn't going to wait for her to think about the, the whole thing. So we come home with the kegerator and I go to uh, Greg Ramirez at Exton Beverage, who, yeah. you know, a friend of mine from this oh, yeah. world, um, love Exton Beverage. His daughter Beverage. is the manager at a, at a great beer bar here in uh, Chester County. Yep. 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 Is that Station Taproom? Is she yeah, still yeah, there? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Sean McGettigan too. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. Natasha. Yeah. No, known them all for, for years. Sean was a customer of mine for many years. Um, and yeah, so I, you know, I called Greg and I said, 
hey, I'm going to I'm going to grab a kegerator. And he said, oh, oh, wait, I got I got these good ones. And I said, listen, you know, I'm looking at the the Danby unit at Home Depot. And he says, you know, you can do a lot better than the Danby unit at Home Depot for just a bit more. And I said, well, it's going to be free. And <laughs> Greg's response was, that's the best kegerator in the world. That yep. Danby unit. Go go get that thing for free. <laughs> And so uh, with his help, I converted it to dual tap. And so back then I used to have, I'd always have something like a Hogarden or an Allagash White on my left tap. And then my right tap would just be rotating whatever. And, you know, to bring the Yingling story around, I grabbed a quarter of Lord Chesterfield uh, and popped that on and put the, of course, because of my ties to all these beer people, they were always giving me tap handles. So I had the Lord Chesterfield tap handle. But I switched it back to the little four-inch plastic tap handle and had friends over. And I was like, 50 bucks if you can guess the beer on the right tap. I wish I had written them down. It was – everybody <laughs> was guessing like Zwiecz, the Polish beer, and like all these Eastern Europeans. Somebody was <laughs> – somebody said, oh, that's got to be like Heineken or something like that, right? Yeah, and, and you know, 10 or 12 good beer friends couldn't get it. And, you know, I, I put the Lord Chesterfield tap handle on and they were like, no way. And, and the <laughs> next thing you know, I'm talking to our, our beer store customers in and around the area. And they're like, dude, we're always sold out of Lord Chesterfield now. <laughs> Look at you. I think I created a created a little bit of a run. That's great. I always find, you know, I had a friend who was like, my wife is complaining about, you know, me drinking too many beers or there's too many cans around. He's like, so I got a kegerator now. It's just like, it seems like I drank one today. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that's the story about the kegerator. Though is like, what's you know, you get a kegerator, you're excited, you use it, it ends up not working at some point, and then it just sits there. Yeah, for me, um, I don't know if I should admit this on the Beer Mighty Things podcast, but um, I moved when I moved south here to Charleston. You know, one of the interesting conversations I had, I remember this vividly, was uh, Sean McGettigan from Station Tap Room. He said to me. Dude, you know, you're moving from a beer mecca. There, a lot of people around the country just don't understand that Philadelphia is up there. You've got Seattle and Portland and Denver and all Colorado and all this. But Philly and the surrounding area, obviously, we're going to talk about New Jersey, Delaware. You know, it's a great beer spot. And, and Sean said to me, you're moving to a beer oasis. He's like, you're going to Charleston and there are not there's not much there. There's not many breweries. And so, lo and behold, we moved down here. My kegerator. What, what year goes, is that, Rick? Uh, that was 2014. Okay. Okay. So my kegerator goes to the corner of the garage down here, not to be used again for a long time. Um, my ability to buy kegs, you know, looking at the local the local places, it's just kind of not there. And the kegs that they do have are extremely expensive, especially the good ones. And so. I kind of went to this. I'm, I'm not going to bother with that. I'm just going to buy cans and bottles because right. down here you can buy them in 2014. You can buy them at the supermarket. And right. Harris Teeter has a massive selection of craft beers. So I can get all that variety and, and be good. Um, so my kegerator got resurrected like a year and a half ago because I am a plain seltzer addict. And so I just now run seltzer through the kegerator. Buy, nice. Buy my beer in cans and bottles. <laughs> Okay, so you're buying kegs of seltzer? No, no, no. You just um, you get your five pound CO two tank filled, and you just fill a craft water. beer keg with water. Uh, get it cold. Takes about two or three days to, um, to for the bubbles to get in there for the yeah. carbonation. 
Uh, and if you really want it quickly, you just shake the heck out of the keg. And in 20 minutes, you've got 10 minutes, you've got seltzer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So my uh, my soda stream went on a shelf in the garage and, you know, 20, 26 dollars to fill a five pound CO2 tank here in Charleston. And that we go through about 25 five gallon kegs for that 26 bucks. It's pretty That's good. Terrific. Yep. That's amazing. Look at you being resourceful. Seltzer holic here. <laughs> Is that what's in the cup now? That's what's in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> love it. We just got a soda stream. I love it. My daughter likes making it, you know. But so the part that to... you can edit out if you know there's uh if you're gonna do that, does it take the long cylindrical canister? Yeah. Yeah. Uh check out sodasense.com. Okay. Um they send you two empties and then you now have three containers. And when you have two empties, you send it back. The minute the postal worker scans it, when they pick it up out of your mailbox, they ship the next two. So you're never out of self. You're never out of tanks. You don't have to go to damn bed, bath and beyond. And uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. You got to be careful in that beyond section, you know, it's crazy, yes. crazy yes. out there. <laughs> thank you, Peter Griffin. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's exactly what that's from. People are like, what are you yeah. talking about? Like family guy. Dude, way to go. All right. Okay. So you are uh, living the dream down there in uh, Charleston and um, you have joined GoTab. You've been there, you know, it's 2023. You've been there a year or two now. Is that? Yeah. Uh, just about a year. Joined February, February 1, 2022, which when talking about the years now, COVID just wrecks the whole thing, right? Um, yep. And and I think that's one of the interesting things is that, you know, I I was consulting for about three years, okay, um, before COVID and during COVID, and near the end of that, a couple of those consulting gigs, they wanted to hire me full time, and okay. had a bunch of offers on the table. When a friend came to me and said, "Hey, you should go check out GoTab. You should go meet Tim at GoTab." Um, and so I, I did, I went and met with him and, you know, my initial plan was just to be a nice guy, go, go see it and say hi. <clears throat> um, and it was the, it was like the second week of Omicron. Mm. I'm like, I'm not going to hitch my wagon 100% to hospitality at this point. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, it's uh, tough. And I went and met Tim at his brewery at Caboose and, um, got to see GoTab in action, got to know Tim, uh, Simple decision, like absolutely simple because the product is a game changer. It's so different from everything else that's out there. And, uh, you know, obviously we're here to talk about what it does for breweries, but overall it's, it, it's a complete game changer of a product and a platform. So that's funny. I literally just went last Tuesday, the 14th, I drove to Vienna, Virginia, and I went to the Caboose location there in the industrial park. Um, nice. I had two really delicious braised pork tacos. And then they were so good. I ordered a third. Um, I had a terrific Pilsner there. What just the, I really enjoyed that brewery. The, it was just fun to be in. It kind of felt like a little bit in the woods, like the way that yeah. the little outdoor <laughs> spaces, um, it's just tucked back there. I actually thought I was going to the wrong place. I thought my GPS took me to the wrong place. I'm like, I found that. I was like, this is awesome. And I, I wrote Jen, uh, the owner, an email. I said, my favorite part about the brewery, you know, the service was great. The beer was great. The, the food was great. But in the bathroom, there is a list of songs that you can sing for 20 seconds while washing your hands. <laughs> <laughs> it was like all these songs, you know, like Fleetwood Mac, you know, 
if you sing this chorus or this bridge of the song, it's 20 seconds, then you're done washing your hands. So I thought it was pretty funny. There's like little clever um, things that they had all all spewed about the the brewery was really neat. So that's cool. And, yeah. and for that world, and I don't know whether you know or not, but Jen is uh, Tim's wife. <laughs> yeah, I, clearly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dude. so Tim Tim founded uh, founded Caboose and then decided he didn't like the point of sale system that was in there that will re- that will remain nameless because we don't want to do that to our competitors on a podcast. But um, he basically um, said, "I've got some ideas about how this could be done better," um, and it was all from an operational standpoint, not necessarily technology standpoint. Um, and that's you know he's full time running GoTab and doing the GoTab thing now while Jen runs the brewery. So kind of cool story. And so is he, does he have a tech background? Is that his thing or he just he does. He's a developer. Okay. Yep. Yeah. By trade. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. We won't mention those other four leaf um, plants out there. The... I saw your article. That, that wasn't it, but we, <laughs> we can, uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So you joined GoTab and you're like, Hey, this is, this is the right fit. Um, so talk to us a little bit. And so GoTabs founded in 2016, processes over 250 million transactions per year, or $250 million worth of transactions per year, operating and, and 35 growing states significant- potentially more than that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, growing significantly per month, we're, we're adding a lot of higher revenue places every day for sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, you know, Tim exited his previous business. He was in the e-commerce digital agency space. Okay. And so he sold that business. And as you know, these technical founders do. Um, I think the story is, I, I believe it was kind of like on a bet or a dare. Uh, he founded he founded Caboose, he founded the brewery. Um, but I think the important part of the story there is uh, really, and and I think everybody wants to talk about technology. Uh, and, and as you know, there's technology out there that's pretty amazing, but it doesn't necessarily give somebody a better experience, right? It doesn't, there's no value. operationally, yeah. It's there, but it's missing like the value proposition. Right. Or maybe they just didn't think about things operationally or or basically, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is the current generation of cloud point of sale. Most of them are really what I would call first generation products. And what I mean by that is they are, you know, I, I use the term cloud for cloud sake all the time. But really what they did was they came along and they said, you know, Cloud is the future. Things like Micros and Aloha and Digital Dining, all those platforms, they do what they need to do for most operations. So we're going to take operationally and architecturally, we're going to take that and we're going to build that in the cloud. And what they ended up with is a point of sale that is no different from an architectural standpoint from the old ones other than being accessible in the cloud. And so when you kind of think about adding things to traditional point of sale, everything has to be done through an API, right? Right. And those APIs were developed in those, in all point of sale systems, really originally for online ordering, right? You need to be able to take an order from the outside. Somebody can put that in and then pay for it. And then you deliver it or they come pick it up. And yeah. What that means is that's a closed ticket. That's a closed tab, right? You open it, you put items on it, you close it, you pay, you're done. And so when we moved into QR, which really wasn't until COVID for the rest of the world, obviously GoTab got there a little bit earlier. But when we moved into that QR world because of COVID, they were stuck using the rails of what APIs were there for, you know, online ordering, 
And mm-hmm. so the restrictions were there. A table can only have one open tab on it. That open tab, you know, in the when you're at a table, it's open. But when you're coming in from the outside through online ordering, it's order some beers, close the tab. And so a lot of the early products and a lot of the QR stuff that came along during COVID couldn't keep a tab open. And most of those, you know, products I felt like are for the business themselves and not forward facing to the customer. Whereas GoTab, it's, you know, I'll tell you my experience. I mentioned it to you. I So I use GoTab without even knowing it. Um, I took my family down to the Guinness Open Gate Brewery in Baltimore. Yep. And place was packed. Um, the radio station was there. The Orioles had a day off. So they, they the mascot was there. It's funny. My daughter was like, sorry, my, she was seven at the time. She's like, what's an Oriole? And we literally <laughs> walk into the brewery and the six foot Oriole mascot greeted us at the door. And I was like, that's an Oriole. <laughs> it was awesome. Excellent. Um, you know, it's Cal Ripken in that suit. It was. Yeah, it totally was. Iron Man. Um, we really enjoyed it so we sat down you know we get our table and like all right scan this code so pull up the qr code beautiful interface scrolling on my phone place the orders for our drink um you know we kind of were like where's the waitress and they're like oh you just you know do this do this click some buttons boom all of a sudden our drinks show up for all four of us i'm like what happened like i literally clicked it and all of a sudden it was at the table i didn't have to wait for somebody um i didn't nobody had to take my order nobody screwed up my order um, to kind of quote like Jimmy John's, it was freaky fast. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but it was nice because at our own pace, all right, Hey, our, our beers are three quarters of the way done. Okay. We're going to place another order. Boom. As soon as that last sip, or even before that, our next beers were on the table. Um, my daughters got their drinks. Uh, we ordered my daughter's food ahead of ours. All of these things gave us the opportunity to order at our own pace. Never had an empty glass. The service was fast. We didn't have to have the same waiter or waitress drop off our stuff. You know, the the servers become uh, like like food runners at that point, right? Hey, if it's there, boom, take it. You know what table it goes to. And um, it was beautiful. It was just seamless. It was easy. And coming to the end of the meal, I guess, right? We didn't have to wait on a check. We were able to pay online. We didn't have to ask for a receipt. We didn't accidentally forget our credit card there. We checked out and left when we felt like it. So... Yeah, it you know it's kind of cool. Experience. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but we close checks automatically at the end of the night uh, with uh, whatever the default tip is in the location, and and we tell you that in the beginning when you go to yeah. authorize your tab. So the reality is, you can actually just get up and walk out. You didn't even have to go in and close your tab. Yeah, it yeah. was crazy. It was awesome. It's and seamless. I like so you know, at that point, I was like, wow, that was such a great experience. <laughs> then eventually, down the road, I meet you, and you're like, yeah, that's you used GoTab while you were there. I had no idea. And I think you guys are working obviously with Caboose and then other half and a lot of other folks. Um, And again, to your point, before COVID, you know, at some point you had to have a separate app for a QR code. Nobody used QR codes. And now you see them everywhere. They're super easy. And we'll get into some of the ways that I also use them for like my personal branding and my business. Um, But yeah, the the experience of GoTab at a brewery was just far better than, you know, other experiences that I had. It was truly memorable. My daughter's, their favorite brewery all along was, um, we would go to Hershey Park and then go to Trogues. They love Trogues. Now they're like, Guinness was our favorite place, you know, and I I think that added to the experience. It was easy. Yeah, I I think 
one of the things about it really becomes, you know, from your side, it's guest experience. And from the business's side, you know, we ha- always have to get this through is that there will be more revenue, right? Because if you get your first beer, if you order your first beer and you get it faster than you would have, you order your next one faster, uh, you'll always have another beer with GoTab. You always have one more beer. And that one more beer really the revenue change, it's pretty insane. And so uh, one of the topics I want to touch on today is lines, but you meaning lines Absolutely. and we're waiting for a beer and, and I'll get to that. But, um, you know, to, to back up for a second, uh, the QR, the whole QR thing is, it's fascinating to me because, you know, QR was invented in like 1994. Uh, Denso, one really? of the Japanese companies. Um, wow. Yeah, they were the ones... And, and QR, for those who don't know, uh, if you want to stump your friends, uh, it just stands for quick response. That's all a QR code is, right? And and it just represents a URL. Like just rep- in, in most cases, it just represents a web link or or has some data in there. But Rick, um, I learned something today. <laughs> that's that's what I'm here for, man. I, I can go to bed now. I'm good. It's all about all about history, uh, history and <laughs> in, in technology. Nice. Uh, but yeah, the the, the funny thing is. It's that whole, like, sometimes you don't get it until you get it. A lot of times we get this whole, you know, hey, go tabs out there to replace humans with technology, right? And the answer is we're not. I have a medium rant. I think I shared it with you on it about this whole thing about QR ordering and and all of that. But the reality is our goal is to take the impersonal and transactional pieces of an experience away from a server, from a bartender, right? That bartender is fiddling with a point of sale after after pouring a beer. It, it wastes time. He, they're not efficient while doing that. They're not doing something that's positive for the guest. They're not fulfilling an order. They're messing around with a computer, essentially. And you know, if we can take some of that out, that leaves servers, you know, you mentioned that they just become a food runner and and we hear that a lot and servers say that. What becomes interesting is when you take those transactional pieces away, the personal side of being able to go and speak about beer and about food. One huge thing on my mind these days in breweries is there's a lot of breweries that don't just have a panini maker anymore. There's a lot of breweries that have true culinary experiences and being able to, of course, have the servers talk about the beer, but also talk about the food, upsell, focus, without having to look around and say, oh, man, there's eight empty glasses and the, that those kids are melting down and I have to go give them a guest check. That's a superpower in my mind. If you take all that away from them and let them do what they do, you're going to make more money and – you know, they they get concerned that their tips are going to go down because the guests are doing things. And what ends up happening is, I bet you did it. I bet at the end of uh, at the end of Guinness, you probably either left it on the default, which is probably twenty percent, or you might have gone higher, right? Yeah, I mean, so my default, I was even I had breakfast with somebody this morning, and they were paying their tab. They they paid for the tab today and left the tip, and I was like, that's not that's not a good tip. <laughs> you need we need to fix that tip. <laughs> so you know, bartending and serving my whole life is all right automatically 20% and plus two or $3. Yeah. So, you know, even if I get a $5 beer, I'm leaving a $5 tip. I never leave less than five. So this tip this morning, we just had, it was a breakfast, right? It wasn't, you know, it was like, that's not a good tip. We need to fix that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, that's, that's not going to work. But to your point, um, 
when we are able to order our beer, your server is able, you know, somebody else might run the beer. Your server is able to spend more time with you and talk to you and educate you about this or that, or even just, again, just be a person and talk to you. So, you know, more revenue for the business, more revenue, more tips for the, for the servers, more accuracy, right? They don't mishear what you ordered because it prints out and tells you, all right, that's, that's what we ordered and we're bringing it to you, right? It's not, Hey, you know, uh, I wanted this beer and I got something else, you know? So yeah. And taking that to the next level, um, you know, we offer a kitchen display system, a KDS, and because our entire platform is platform agnostic, uh, we can put 21 inch KDSs in a kitchen. They're Android touchscreens. Um, our, our, we call it a KDS because the world calls it a KDS, a kitchen display system. But the reality is we run them at the bar too, which is completely unique to have it at the bar. But part of the reason we do it is the efficiencies that come along with it. It's massive gains. Like one of the things that we do that nobody else really does it basically here, here you go product managers of other point of sale systems. I'm confident that your architecture isn't going to allow you to do this fast. So I'll go ahead and mention it. We run the kitchen display system, as I mentioned at both the kitchen and the bar. And the reason we do that is just massive efficiencies. The feature that we have that nobody really out there in our world does. And I'm confident that their architecture means that it's not a quick fix or a quick change. So I'll, I'll go ahead and shout out product managers and, and give them our, our trade secrets here. Uh, and that is we batch items at the KDS based on uh, ordered within a certain amount of time from a certain location or spot, as we call it. So it doesn't matter if you and I are in separate tabs, if we're both at table two, the KDS batches our order so that they know to deliver it to the table together and have that cohesive experience. Everybody else that's kind of crammed QR in from the back end through an API these days, they just don't have that level of complexity on being able to, you know, yeah. operationally do things. Okay. Yeah. I just actually had that experience with Amazon for the first time. I ordered something and said, all right, you know, I don't need it yet. Ship it to me on Saturday. I ordered something else and said, would you like to add it to that order to be delivered on Saturday? I was like, yeah, sweet. Like, I don't want them driving all over if they don't have to for one little thing. Yeah, and above that, what we'll also do is if if you, Kyle, if you have a, a tab open at table two and you order a sandwich, right, and then your friends come in and they're at a bigger table and you go over and you scan table four and sit down with them, mm. it'll say, you have open items. Do you want them delivered to the new spot? And when you say yes, the KDS actually updates the table four so they know where to deliver it. That's amazing. Yeah. So really exploiting efficiencies uh, on the back end of a KDS, we have the ability right from the kitchen display, which again can be used at the bar, um, to 86 an item. So if they kick a keg of beer, the bartender can go right in products, you know, it's all real time. Tro yeah. Trogues, you know, Trogues Sunshine Pills, 86 it, and then they get the new keg on, and you can go right from the main screen on the KDS, touch the 86 items buttons, touch Trogues Sunshine Pills. Uh, enable it, and then it's right back on. So the important thing there is when your guests are ordering, you want to try to get that information as quickly as possible because you don't want to have to break their heart. They go to order something and then you're out of it. You have to go have that conversation. So I had that. I ordered a Guinness on Saturday. I was out with the first, Sunday, out with the family for lunch, got my Guinness, asked for another one, all gone. They're like, uh, all right, I'll take the can that you have sitting up there. One of those. Uh, we don't have those either. I'm like, well, what the hell? Why Why is it up there? Like, what are you doing to me? Then they right. gave me a nine-month-old freaking IPA from, like, Michigan. I was like, 
Ah, it's terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, I think that that is one of the the big things is guest experience comes from a lot of things. One of them is not letting them know what you're out of. The other is not letting them know you have a delay. So in our KDS, the kitchen can say, you know, the fry station it is just totally in the weeds. All items from the fry stations have a twenty a twenty minute delay, and then the guest sees it. You know, when you go to order the French fries, it says twenty minute wait, right? And so as a guest. If my awesome ranchero fries are going to take 30 minutes, I'm fine if you tell me about it ahead of time. But if I order it and then it takes 30 minutes to get there and you didn't tell me, I'm probably not going to be quite as happy. So it's all about managing that guest experience. Yeah, it's just crazy that this hasn't existed earlier. Um, obviously, there was a pain point and Tim figured it out and you guys continue to develop. What are some new functions that we may be seeing um, or tweaks that y'all are exploring in the next, uh, you know, in the upcoming year here? Yeah, so uh, one part that I didn't bring up so much was that we are truly a hybrid experience. You know, our our whole idea of GoTab is to allow the guests to be as much or as little of that ordering experience and fulfillment experience as they want to be, right? So we do have the point of sale and we have the ability to, if you've opened a tab on your side to place a order for your beer and then a server comes up and you want them to take your order, they can do it and they can add it to your open tab and you'll see it on your phone, right? So we have that full hybrid experience, which kind of leads into, you know, you might have two people at your table who want to do it on their phone and the other two might want to order with the server and you you absolutely can. I think on our YouTube channel, which I'll mention later, just, you know, go to YouTube and just search GoTab. Okay. Um, on our YouTube channel, Tony Wren from Maui Brewing talks about this. And I think it's called like No Guest Left Behind. And he kind of says, listen, our guests that have been here for 20 years, they have a certain expectation and a way that they see us do things. And they don't want that to change. But, you know, our newer guests love the idea of ordering themselves. And so he said, this is wonderful because we can give them the experience that they want seamlessly without them really having to think about it. And pulling that into like the future of, of what's coming soon. Actually, we have it in beta now. Um, we've implemented complete full coursing, not only on the point of sale side, but on the guest side as well. So if you are a brewery that really focuses on food, the thing I've learned in the brewery space uh, from a point of sale standpoint, you know, there's sort of the cheap low end cash register replacement systems that are out there uh, that have been for a long time. You mentioned, we mentioned one of them earlier. Um, and then there's, you know, the traditional point of sale for restaurants that just try to sell into breweries. And then there's a couple of brewery specific products out there. But what I've noticed in these is that really the, the brewery specific and the other point of sale products, they, they typically miss something in, in beer. So the, the normal POS products miss the beer side and the brewery focused or taproom focused point of sales completely and utterly miss the culinary side of it. Right. And so we're starting to see these breweries have a real focus on that culinary side of things. Mm. And so, yeah. you know, being able to course your items from the guest side, that's pretty cool if you want that experience. You know, some breweries are going to go in and just get a couple of starters or small plates. They're, you're going to order them and expect them to come whenever they do. But if, if you want to sort of take that next level of dining, you know, that's that's what we're we're kind of going down that road now. Yeah, I love it. Obviously, we're seeing more breweries, you know, implementing food, keep the guests there longer, bigger checks and, and that sort of thing. Um, you don't want them to leave and, you know, have a beer and then leave because you didn't have food and they're hungry. So um, 
Cool. We'll yeah, start another thing, more of that. As you say, another thing that we can do is um, if you have regular food trucks, um, a food truck can have GoTab. And then when they pull up to the brewery, they can share their menu with the brewery who has GoTab by just sliding a switch. You know, you link it up once and then the brewery just makes it available and the food truck's food or an outside food source somewhere down the block, you know, can wow. have GoTab and do the same thing. And so that food appears right on the menu. When you scan it, you've got the beer and the food. And what about and, your check then? Are you paying the two different places seamlessly? Yeah. So we actually, uh, in that case, we move the money as well. We do this in food halls as well, where you can have multiple vendors. Yeah. All the tab is one tab. All of the vendors items are on that one tab. We, we send the food to the vet, to the, each vendor. And then we also, uh, send the money to the vendors. And then we can also take a remittance. So brewery owners, here, here's the deal for your tap rooms. If you want to get into this with food trucks or other local uh, places, and you can do this without them having GoTab, you can give them a kitchen display and have them do it. But to, to actually move the money, if they have GoTab, um, you can take what's called a remittance. So if you think about how a food hall works, they charge their vendors a percentage of their sales in rent. And normally they collect it at the end of the month. And normally the vendor tries to go in and drop their sales so that they right. can pay a lower amount. So what GoTab does is, you know, we pay that money on every transaction and we can take a two or a three or a 5% override for the house or for, in this case, the brewery, um, where they're paying you essentially 5% rent to park their food truck in the back lot. I love it. Um, I'm hoping to see GoTab at more breweries. And obviously <laughs> if, uh, if y'all are listening, reach out to Rick. I mean, how do, how do they get in touch with you if they're interested in GoTab? Yeah, certainly. Uh, obviously, all of our information is on uh, GoTab.com, and you can check out. There's the type of businesses, and you, there's a brewery-specific page there. Um, you can certainly email me anytime, Rick at GoTab.io. Uh, pretty simple. Um, we've got a, a couple of brewery-specific members on our team. We've got uh, Taylor, who handles the West Coast and the Rockies, pretty much. And we've got Doug who uh, handles the East Coast and and also Central. So, okay, cool, yeah. Tell him, tell him you heard it here on the Beer Mighty Things podcast. Is this is where again we're, we're you know talking about things that are mighty, right? Doing uh, disrupting the industry, changing things, making them better, improving them. Um, what a dynamic product you guys have. This is great. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, I had a very very good experience with it, and um, honestly, if if more breweries had it, I think it would uh, obviously, like we said, make things easier, generate revenues, increase tips, just make things a little more seamless. Okay. Um, we'll see you at CBC. You'll see me at CBC and you might see me before because I need to get up to the Philly area for a few things. So maybe we can get together for a beer. Absolutely. Cool. All right, Rick. Well, you ha head off to your meeting about CBC. Are you going to have a booth there or are you just uh, going to be gallivanting? We do, and I should probably have the booth number at my fingertips, but I do not. If I'll be speaking uh, Monday afternoon. I don't have a booth, but I'll be jumping around, and we have the uh, the welcome reception at Jackalope on Sunday night. How funky. Our booth number is the last four digits of the phone number of my old business in X-Days. <laughs> <laughs> the universe, man. It's the universe. Yeah. Uh, we're exhibiting. We are booth 3210. 3210. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you there. Um, we are hosting a welcome reception with craft beer professionals and beer 30. Um, you're welcome to join. Anybody's welcome to come. That will be at Jackalope Brewing Sunday night, seven to nine. All right, my friend. Well, I will see you soon. I appreciate you. And uh, please call me when you are in town. Thanks, Kyle. Be well. Right. Thank you, Rick. Cheers. Take care. 
All right, that'll do it for today's show. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. That'll help us get found by other fantastic people like yourself. I don't monetize this, so all I ask is that if you like it, share it with someone else who might like it. Connect with me on Instagram at Beer Mighty Things Podcast. Catch you all next time. Cheers and Beer Mighty Things.